to be here tonight. Hallelujah. Well, I know that I am thrilled to be here. People that come to church on Sunday night, I don't believe any of you came here to play church, right? I don't believe any of you are here out of dead religious ritual, right? You are here because you want to be here. And you are here because we are contending in this church for revival. And it doesn't take that many people to get together and pray and see some changes happen in the realm of the spirit. Tonight we're going to be ministering the word and we are going to spend some time praying. And I just want all of you just to hook up with me and just draw from the word of God. And let's get to where we need to go tonight. Amen. I believe that we need to go some places tonight. Hallelujah. And be changed by the word of God and by the spirit. Of God. There might not be that many people here, but there's plenty of people here to get the job done. Amen. Everybody agree with that? I want you right now just to put your hands right here on your spirit and say this I will receive the word of God tonight. And I'm asking by the power of the Holy Spirit that I would be ignited with fresh fire. That the word of God would rise up on the inside of me. And the spirit of God would be rekindled afresh and anew. You agree with that? We'll say amen then. If you were here this morning, Pastor shared the title of my message. Every once in a while, the Spirit of God deals with people differently. But every once in a while, I'll be praying or, or however it just comes. And out of my spirit, I just get these titles. And then I'm like, well, that's a cool title. Now I need the message to go with it. But the other day, I was praying. And just in my heart, I just heard this, really. It, and it, the words were, do you have holy heartburn? Do you have holy heartburn? Now, I didn't say, do you have heartburn? We all have had that misfortune of perhaps going to a restaurant. Maybe you went over to Val's right before they closed and you had a couple of Papa Burgers and a chocolate malt and side of onion rings and then a, a linguine on the side just for good measure. And you went home and tried to lay down and go to sleep. A few hours later, you woke up with that burning sensation in your stomach, that burning in your esophagus, set up in the bed and go, oh, I have heartburn. Well, heartburn in the natural is not holy, but there is, it is holy for our spiritual hearts to burn inside of us. It's scriptural. Remember the account when Jesus, he had been risen from the dead just a few days and he's walking along with his disciples. He appears to them and he acts like that he's a stranger that didn't know what had just occurred in Jerusalem a few days before. And the Bible tells us, let's look over there in Luke chapter 24, 32. They didn't recognize him at first, but as he was talking to them, they were clinging to every word that he spoke. And there's a phrase in this passage of scripture, Luke 24, 32. And it's, and they said to one another, did not our heart, everybody say it. Oh, that's weak. Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures 
unto us. I have some questions for you tonight. We're going to identify, do we really have holy heartburn? Does your heart still burn with that love and that fervor for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the things that he is passionate about for serving the Lord? Do you look at the lost? Maybe you're out there on 880 and you get in a traffic jam and somebody's acting like an idiot. Do you look at them as a nuisance or a potential believer? Do you still have that fervor to pray for people that don't know the Lord. That's holy heartburn. Hallelujah. Do your prayers. Are they still ignited with the fire of God? Well, this is a test. You know, sometimes they give you a little test. And if you answer no to any of the above questions, you may need a heart change. You may need to be ignited once again with the fire of God. And that's what we're here tonight to see areas that we need to have that burning sensation on the inside of us in. The word burn, really, it's similar with the word fervent. Wouldn't you agree? The Bible uses the word fervent in several passages. And in W. Vines, this is what the definition of fervent is. To be red hot. To boil. And good old Noah Webster's, this is what he says about fervent. To be ardent. To be passionate. To be very hot. Do you get the message? Our spirit has been created in the likeness and image of God. We are filled with God himself. God is not cold. God is not old. God is not dull. God is not boring. God is alive. And God is fire itself. He's the author of fire. Hebrews 12, 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. That tells me that anything that comes in contact with God, we ought to take on his nature, his ability, his likeness. We ought to have that same fire and passion on the inside of him. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to serve him with all of your heart? Well, tonight we want to look at four areas that we need holy heartburn in. First of all, we need to love fervently. We need to love the Lord. Simple passage of scripture over in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It says this here. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. That's a pretty important commandment. We are to love the Lord with all that is within us. All our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Has God been good to anyone in here tonight? Are you thankful for what he's done when you think about what he's done for you? Does it make you want to shout, shout, shout? 
When you think about the goodness of the Lord, does it make you want to dance, dance, dance? If some of you aren't happy about what God has done in your life, you don't know the same God that I know. God is a good God and he loved us with all that he had. Heaven loved us to the degree that it gave its very best. For God so the world that he his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life god loved us and loves us fervently jesus loved us so much that his heart burned for us. He laid down his life for us. And we have that same love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But too many people have suppressed it. Too many people have pushed it down. But I'm here to tell you tonight that if you've lost your first love for him, it can be restored. It can be rekindled. Jesus deserves to be Lord of all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. This verse said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Last week, pastor asked how many people, or a week ago, how many people have been saved more than 10 years? I want to ask how many people have been saved more than 25 years? It's quite a few hands. All right, how many of you have been married more than 25 years? Pretty much the same hands. How about that? <laughs> well, you know what? If you've been married, probably if you've been married more than two or three years, sometimes two or three months, (laughs) you can lose that loving feeling. You know you still love them. You know you're committed to the marriage. But hey, those feelings just aren't there. So oftentimes, what do you have to do? You need to get away. You need to take some time. Just you and that spouse of yours get reacquainted, rekindle the embers, as it were, in that marital relationship. Well, it can be the same in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get familiar with him and it's good that we know him, that we acknowledge him in all of our ways, but we don't want to get so familiar to the degree that we lose the awe and the reverence and the respect. This is God. That he lives on the inside of me. This is God that created the universe. The God on which everything hangs up on his word. The God who has the whole world in the palm of his hand. Yet he came and he lives in me. He deserves to be praised. He deserves to be reverenced. He's not The man upstairs, like some people irreverently refer to him. He's God, my father. I love my father and my father loves me. And he came and he made his abode in me. Oh, Lord, help.
help us to have that first love rekindled on the inside of us. Can you remember when you first got born again? Oh my, it was like you had a new spring in your step. Your head was no longer down. You were looking up and you were magnifying him. Your redeemer, he has redeemed me, redeemed my life from destruction. Our hearts ought to burn with love towards him. And that love will motivate us. That love will compel us to love other people. Jesus loved hurting, sighing, dying humanity of which we were. And once we have been loved with that love that he has loved us, we are to love others reaching out. Amen. Just think about how many times in the Bible that it says he was moved with compassion. Jesus knew his destiny. He knew why he came to this earth. He knew he saw himself in the prophecies. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew that he was going to be crucified on Golgotha's hill. He knew he was going into the pit. He knew that it was going to be the very people that he came to that were going to despise and reject him. Think about what happened in Jerusalem. I was just looking at this yesterday over here. We'll look at it in a minute. But in Luke chapter 19, it's the account. And in my Bible, it said his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. One day they're saying, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna to him in the highest. And a few days later, those same people are yelling, crucify him, crucify him, blasphemy. He said he's the son of God. How quickly people changed. And he knew that was going to happen. In verse 41 of Luke 19, he was coming into Jerusalem. This was right before the triumphant entry. And I'm sure... Jerusalem is surrounded there by hills. And I'm sure he's on one of these hills, one of these mountains. And he's walking in and he sees the city. He knows what's about to happen. That they're going to be saying Hosanna to him in the highest. And he knows that they're going to be crying, betray him, crucify him in a few days. And this is what he did. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. What do we do when people talk evil of us? What do we do when the lost maybe harass us? Do we have the same attitude that Jesus had? You know, I remember this funny story, and I don't know if this ever really happened. Maybe it did. But this lady, this pastor, came to the church, you know, and she liked him the first year. Blessed is he who come in the name of the Lord. By the second year, she was saying, by what authority doeth thou these things? And the third year, it was, 
Away with him. Crucify him. You people can be fickled. But we can't base how we're going to react on what people do and what people say. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Yet his heart was so compelled with love that he wept over them. Another passage, he says, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you to myself as a hen gathers her little chickens, but you wouldn't let me. Yet he was not rejoicing. Oh, you're going to get wiped off. Oh, your future's going to be terrible. He was weeping. That's the heart of compassion. That's the heart of an intercessor. An intercessor, one who will stand in the gap. One who is motivated and compelled by love. I saw this definition many years ago, the word compassion. Again, all throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was moved with compassion. This definition I saw many years ago said that compassion was love with the urge, the desire to help. Jesus didn't just look down from heaven. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. But go ahead. You've messed up. Figure out the best you can. You might burn in hell, but oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. No, because he loved us and he had compassion. He was compelled to come and to redeem us. And that's how we ought to look at people that are outside the covenant of almighty God with the compassion, love, with the desire to help. How do we help the lost? How do we help those that don't know him? The number one way to help them is to let the love of God on the inside of you pour out in prayer. Greater love hath no man than this, than then he lay down his life for his friend. How do we lay down our life for someone else? We are willing to get on our knees, to get on our face and cry out for their deliverance. Cry out for their salvation. That is having a heart of love. It motivates us. It compels us to do something. I like how it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. In the Amplified, it says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels because we are of the opinion and the conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Do you, are you compelled? Are you motivated by love? We can be. Then in that, the second area, and, and don't get nervous, we won't spend that long on the other areas. The Holy Ghost, our, we should have holy heartburn for the Word of God. We just read that passage there in Luke chapter 24. Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us on the road and did what? And he opened the scriptures to us. Revelation from the word caused their hearts to be ignited. Their hearts.
hearts were burning. They didn't even know who he was at first. But he's unfolding the scripture to them. And it's just shoom, shoom, going off on the inside of them like fireworks. The word of God is alive. The word of God produces power. Hallelujah. Our attitude toward the word of God should not be nonchalant. Our attitude toward the word should be, oh, it's my mere duty to read the word. Oh, let me read something that will make me sleepy. Now I lay me down to sleep. No, that shouldn't be our attitude toward the word. We shouldn't look at it as dead. The word of God is alive. It's God speaking to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You know these scriptures. I'm just reminding you tonight of the word for the word of God is what it's living it's powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart God is not dead and guess what Neither is his word. And neither should be his people. If we serve a living God who has given us a living word, shouldn't we be alive? When that word is inviting on the inside of us, shouldn't it be doing what it says here? Living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. God's not dead. He is alive. And I'm thankful that we can come together in a church where the presence of God is, where the word of God, the living, the living, the powerful, the sharp, the quick word of God goes forth uncompromised. And what does the word of God do? What does he do when you preach the word, brother? What's he promise? What's he do? He confirms it with signs following it because it's alive. I'm glad that our church isn't like this little boy. They'd been going to this church and it was not a very lively church. And one night they got there kind of early and they're walking around the foyer and there's this big plaque in the foyer. And it says, in honor of all of those who died in the service. The little boy standing there looking up at that plaque. He looked over at his dad and he said, dad, which service did they die in the morning or the night? Cause walking into that church, <laughs> the nine o'clock service, <laughs> cause walking in that church <clears throat> was like sitting up with the dead. And he thought people were going in there and dying. It was so quiet and so solemn and so religious. But that's not what's happening here. That's not who our God is. Our God is alive. And so is his word. Hallelujah. The word is sharp. It pierces. It affects. It's like a weapon. It's a sword. And I love something that the prophet Jeremiah of old said. In Jeremiah 29, he said, Then I said unto, then I said, I will make mention. Oh yeah, that's right. I will make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, say it with me, like a fire. 
Say it with me again. Like a fire, burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. You know, you get to a point, you maybe are meditating on the word, feeding on the word of God. And oh, revelation is flowing and it's getting getting engrafted, getting branded. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. He'll take the word of God and he will brand it into your spirit. Come hell or high water, it's not going to be pulled out of you. You get the word of God. And oftentimes when you are in This word, he will give you a personal word and you hang on to that. Woo, it gets in here on the inside of you. This word is alive. This word is seed and it produces fruit and a mighty harvest. And he said, I was weary of trying to hold it back. Finally, he got to a point I couldn't hold it back. Woo, it was like fire. Shut up in my bones. Y'all might not know it, but I'm holding back right now. This is me holding back. This is me on decaf. Because I'm telling you, when the fire of God gets on the inside of you, it shows up. Something burning on the inside of you, it's going to get in your bones. It's going to get in your mouth. It's going to get in your hands. It's going to get in your feet. Woo! (laughs) Fire. Fire is contagious. Do you have holy fire on the inside of you? Get on fire. Oh, don't try to suppress it. The prophet said I was weary of trying to suppress it and hold it back. He had the spirit of God coming upon him to do a work, to do a purpose. He knew there was a time and there was a place to deliver what God had told him. But all that anointing had come on him and he'd have to hold it back till the right place. But finally, the Holy Ghost said now. And he's like, "Woo! I don't have to hold it back anymore. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Reboko simbra galala da boko sobrata. Ebro shandalala da ba. Ebro simbra kedada. And now is the time that my church will no longer be in a hold steady mode. Will no longer be in a mode where we're jebrosebaka, where we're waiting and we're seeking. But now is the time for my church to let go. Woo! Let go and let me. Oh, hallelujah. You are the light of the world. I have ignited you for such an hour and for such a season. Let your light burn back. And I just said, I just heard this. There's some people in the body of Christ and maybe even some in here. You've almost been like a secret weapon. 
a secret weapon, the church. Oh, just going along, serving the Lord, just doing, being a good Christian. But now it is time for an explosion in the realm of the Spirit. Time for an ignition, ignition of the <laughs> of the Holy Ghost. Woo! For fires to be lit here. And fire to spread there. For fire cannot be contained and fire will spread. And it's a good thing for Holy Ghost fire to spread. Oh, my, my, my. It's a good thing. Get around people that are on fire for God. It's like a tangible transference. Hallelujah. Woo, we know. You know what? Enthusiasm, zeal. They're contagious. Where's that come from? The fire of God. He wants you to be contagious. Just be contagious with the fire of God, with the zeal of God. Hallelujah. Burn, 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 burn. Not burn out, but burn on and burn bright. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That leads me. This is the third holy heartburn that we need to have. Well, we won't spend a long time here. It deserves honorable mention. I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to be sad. Holy heart burned to serve the Lord. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Our hearts should burn with the desire to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord and serve in his house. You know what? Women's Aglow didn't come up with this little slogan. It's actually in the Bible. Romans 12, 11 in the Amplified. I do like their name, though. Women's Aglow is a good name, but they got it out of this verse. Romans 12, 11 in the Amplified. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with what? Burning with unholy desires burning with whatever. I'm going to even go there. What are we supposed to be burning with? Burning with the spirit. And then what are you going to do when you burn with the spirit? What are you going to do? What's the result of something burning on the inside of you? The love for God, the love for his word is burning on the inside of you. Then there's something by the Holy Ghost that ignites the spirit of God on the inside of you. What are you going to do with that? Just woo! run around your house. Woo! I'm burning with the spirit. Woo! I'm so hot today. Woo! It's not a hot flash either. Woo! But I'm burning. I'm a glow. Well, God bless you. I'm happy that you are a glow. But you know what? It's not nearly so, so much fun to be a glow in a little room by yourself. Woo! Be a glow burning with the Spirit. And what are you going to do with your little glow self? Serve! Serve the Lord with joy and Oh, hallelujah. It's a joy. 
It's an honor. It's a privilege to be called by the most high God. And I'm not talking about behind the pulpit fivefold. Certainly I honor that call. But every single one of us are members of his body. Every single one of us are ambassadors. We are sent from heaven on a mission for him. You're on a mission for God. Hallelujah. You might be secret agent man in your office. You may have been sitting in that office for a few years, a few months, and everybody around you is a heathen. And every day you just go to work about your business. You do your job good. You sit there. You pray in the spirit. You might have to go in the bathroom and say, I bind you devil in the name of Jesus. But then you just go back out, put on your smiley face, and keep on working and serving the Lord. But you know what's about to happen? Woo! Holy Ghost explosion. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just, I just came up while I was preaching earlier about being secret agents in the, in the realm of the spirit. You are not in that place. You are not in that position by accident. It might feel like you've been got in there underground, you know, under the wire. So they don't really know who all about you and who you are and whose you are, but they're about to find out. You know why? Because people are hurting, hurting, sighing, dying humanity. And all it takes is for your boss to be diagnosed with an incurable disease. Your supervisor to find out that his kids are on drugs or they have marriage problems. And all of a sudden you, you rise up. Yes. Secret agent, man. I got the answer. I got the answer for you. Let me tell you right here. This is what you do if you're facing terminal illness. This is what you do if your kids are on drugs. This is what you do if your marriage is in trouble. And it just flows out of you. Because why? You're a glow. You're a glow. Woo! And you know what else? When you're a glow, you might just be sitting there. Nobody's asking anything. The Lord hadn't led you to say anything yet. You're just sitting there every day getting brighter and brighter. Might be getting darker all around you in that office, in that company. But you know what? The darker it is, the brighter a light shines. Amen. The day's coming, I'm telling you. It's a word from the Lord. This came right out of my spirit. The day, some of you, maybe even this week, you're going to have an opportunity all of a sudden to really be a glow. And let them know why you're shining. Let them know why you're so bright. Let them know why you're so happy. Hallelujah. Anybody receive that? Woo! Hallelujah. Be a glow. And burning with the Spirit. Serve the Lord with joy and gladness. I love this psalm. Psalms 100. It's a good little psalm here. It's so good that I might want to read the whole psalm. We got time. I'll go fast. At the heading of this psalm, it says, A song of praise for the Lord's faithfulness to his people. That just made me happy today when I saw that. A song of thanksgiving. A song of praise for the Lord's faithfulness to his people. That's what it says in the heading in my Bible. And then listen to this. Make a joyful noise. Shout to the Lord all you lands. Everybody do that. Woo! 
Okay, then what else are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to just shout, whoo! What else are we supposed to do while we're shouting? What else are we supposed to do? Serve the Lord with gladness. Hallelujah. Come before his presence with singing. Amen. I think we'll move on there. That's awesome. That's good. We can shout. You know, I liked how that said that. A praise for the Lord's faithfulness. We can shout. We can praise him because he is so faithful. But I have a question for you. Can he shout because you are so faithful? Does he shout or does he go, well, 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 just a thought. Serve the Lord how? Let's get back on the happy thought. Serve the Lord how? With joy and gladness. Amen. Now. Let's look at the fourth area. Holy heartburn in prayer. You should have known we were going to go there. Holy heartburn in prayer. How are we supposed to pray? We are supposed to pray fervently. James chapter 5 verse 16. It's a long verse and we only want to look at the last part of it. This morning pastor was dancing all around verse 16. But he didn't really center in on this. And this is where we want to camp in our last few minutes here. James 5 16. Just the last little phrase there. The First we want to look at it if we can in the New King James first. I, didn't, I don't know if I told you all that. But in the New King James or the King James it says the effective Fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It avails much. What kind of a prayer? Effective and fervent. We already shared in the beginning. Fervent means to be red hot, to boil. When you pray according to the will of God, the Holy Ghost will ignite those prayers and it ought to just boil out of us. No, I'm not stupid. I know that it's not every time you get down to pray. It's not every morning that you jump out of bed and, oh, I got this burning sensation to wait upon the Lord, to pray for two hours. No, it's not like that. But if we will base our prayers in line with the word of God, they're going to be effective and they're going to be fervent regardless of what we feel like. There's an unction on this alive word. And this alive word is what we are to pray. Our prayers need to be in line with the word of God. They will be effective and they will be fervent. I was looking just the other day about supernatural prayers that were prayed in the Bible. There's so many events in the Bible. I mean, supernatural events. These are just a few. And they were preceded by fervent prayer. How about when Moses split the Red Sea? How about when Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal? How about when he prayed and it didn't rain for three years and he prayed again and it did rain? That supernatural effects happening when people pray. How about Daniel in the lion's den? He wasn't in that, that lion's den crying and all upset all night long. He was praising and magnifying God. How about Paul and Silas when they were in jail? 
jail. What were they doing? The Bible says they prayed and they sang praises unto God. And as a result, the prison doors were open. What about the time when Peter was in jail and the church gathered together and they prayed for him and the Lord sent an angel and opened up the prison door and led him safely out. Folks, we are living in a time that that we can see supernatural events occur. Supernatural fervent prayer leads to supernatural events. Hallelujah. Supernatural intervention. Glory to God. Andrew Murray, he was a wonderful man of God. Many years ago, he's wrote a lot of books on prayer. One of his quotes, he said, men and women who have done mighty deeds for God have been mighty on their knees. Woo, I like that. Men and women who have done Mighty deeds for God have been mighty on their knees in prayer. Another man of God, Judson Cornwall, he was looking at all of these statues one time of these men, these great men, these great leaders. And the person that he was with was talking about what a great man of God he was. He said, if you ever make a statue of me, make it with me kneeling on my knees. For anything that I have ever accomplished, any greatness that's ever happened is a result of me being on my knees. Powerful, purposeful prayer. It paves the way for the impossible to become possible. Supernatural, fervent prayer. It affects all three realms. Heaven stands at attention. When we mention his name, demons and the devil tremble at the very mention of his name. How do we pray? We pray to our father God in that name, the name that is above every name. And earth is affected when we say in the name of Jesus. Christ, the name that is above every name. Oh, my name is above every disease. My name is above every kind of torment of the enemy. My name is above every lie. My name is above every attack, every plot, every scheme that the enemy would bring into your life. So stop magnifying his name. Stop talking about all that he is doing and turn your eyes upon me and begin to magnify my name, the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. It's greater. It's greater. Heaven stands at attention when I mention his name for God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. At the mention of that name, every knee shall bow. And that's the name that we use in prayer. Hallelujah. 
James 5.16. Now we'll look at that last phrase in the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Earnest and heartfelt. We're talking about holy heart burn. Jesus doesn't want us to pray dead religious prayers. Jesus doesn't care if your prayers are laced with all flowery Elizabethan English and all of that stuff. Did I just say? Never mind. <laughs> Elizabethan English. Oh, did I say it right? Okay, good. <laughs> he doesn't care about all of that. He doesn't want your prayers formulated in your mind. Now, let me see here. Let me just think for a minute. What would be the best way to pray about this? No, get, don't be thinking so much. Get in your heart. Prayer is to be heartfelt. It originates from him putting something in your heart and you lifting it back up to him. Earnest, heartfelt, holy heartburn prayer. What does it do? It makes tremendous power available. And I love how that says, dynamic in its working. That word dynamic in the Greek is thenami. I've been told that's how you say it. We usually say dunamis, Greek word. But it is the same word that we get dynamite from. When your prayers are ignited with the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's like dynamite coming out of your spirit. And that dynamite power is just wrapped around that obstacle, wrapped around that hindrance, wrapped around that sickness and disease, whatever it is. And that Holy Ghost power goes and that dynamite power wraps around it and it is ignited and it blows it up out of the way. Blows up. The plots, the strategies, and the hindrances of the devil. Power of God. The dynamite power flows out of our spirit. It pays to pray. Oh, what a weapon. Oh, what a device. Oh, what a privilege. To call on the name of the Lord and know that he hears and he answers. And to know that when we pray according to his word, that dynamite power is released. Things are changed. People's hearts are softened. You know anybody that their heart is hard? Get that dynamite prayer. Blow that hardness off of their heart. That darkness off of their eyes that they may see. Pastor's been preaching. He's going to continue along the lines of revival. Oh, the church. The church needs revival. The church needs holy heart burn. That our hearts would burn for him. Burn for what his heart burns for. That our hearts would be filled.
filled with passion and zeal for the lost, for a move of God, for revival, for an awakening in our nation. You hear us quote our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, many years ago. He said this about the last great move that would happen on this earth. I don't know how it's going to look, but I know it's going to happen. The glory of the Lord shall cover the earth like waters cover the sea. But for this move to happen, this is what Brother Hagin said. He said this last great move will be fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, and ignited with the glory. I don't know if you get that. Fueled by prayer. We're not going to see all the things that we want to see unless we pray. Every move of God has been fueled by prayer. These things I just read you about, these miraculous things in the Bible, they were preceded by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Fired by the Spirit. If you don't stay fired up on the inside and kindled up by praying in the Spirit of God, you know what will happen? It will fizzle out. Because you can't do it in your own power and your own might. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by what? By my spirit. Fired by the spirit. And ignited with glory. Woo! What does that mean? Ignited with glory. If we'll pray, we'll stay fired up in the Holy Ghost. The glory of God will ignite our ways. The glory of God, His manifest presence, signs, wonders, and miracles will be in manifestation. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Spirit of God. Oh, Madresi, don't rabbi.